Good morning. The scripture reading this morning is from John chapter 8, verses 12 through 19, and following that, verses 31 through 47. I invite you to follow along in your Bibles. When Jesus spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him, here you are appearing as your own witness, your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the one who sent me, the Father. Then they asked him, where is your Father? You do not know me or my Father. Jesus replied, if you knew me, you would know my father also. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you, what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things that Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and now am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any one of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Thank you, Dave for that uh, reading of John chapter 8. Well, good morning. And good morning to those in the venue and who are online. And I'm, I'm Brian Klein, and I'm one of the pastors here uh, one last time. Uh, here. Anyways. Hey, uh, today's a great day. Today is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of you men. And, you know, 
It's a bonus day because it's the longest day of the year. So guys, guess what? You get a longer nap today. And guess what? Since it's the longest day of the year, I get to go a little extra longer. How come you're all laughing? You don't know yet. But it's, uh, it's so good to uh, have you all here. Um, how many of you have heard or seen the game show? Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of restarted again in the evenings. It's called To Tell the Truth. Anybody familiar with that? Okay. Kind of ages me. I know. I know it ages me. But basically what, what the format of the, the scenario is, is that there will be three contestants, right? There's three individuals that come out. And they all claim that they are the one that is telling the truth of what they've done. Now, the one I saw was they had the person there that, that knit and provided the gloves for Bernie Sanders at Inauguration Day. I am the one who provided the gloves for Bernie Sanders. You know, you've seen the meme where he's sitting there all wrapped up and he has those gloves on and, and all those kind of things. And so they, they go through this whole deal, okay, to tell the truth. And there's, there's, there's four other individuals that are asking them questions, trying to figure out, out of the three, who is the one? Who is really the one that provided the mittens for Bernie Sanders. And they first come up with generalities, and then they get more specific because they're just trying to get someone to slip up to kind of get an idea. Now, all, two, two, two of the contestants can, can fib, can lie, can do all, but the one that really did it has, is bound to absolutely tell the truth. So the... They do that for a while, and then they get to the end, and, and they say, you know, will the real Bernie Sanders mitten provider please stand up? And they're alternating up and down, up and down. You know, the contestants, the, the others have chosen which one it is. And then finally, the one stands up as telling the truth. It's an interesting thing, though, is that life is kind of like that. We're always kind of searching for what is truth. What is truth? And in John chapter 8, we see this great passage where Jesus makes the greatest claim with the greatest promise. I knew these guys were going to be up to something today. <laughs> so I got prepared. <laughs> kind of like in the camp room. <laughs> now let's talk about... No. So Jesus makes the greatest claim and the greatest promise. And the greatest claim is that he is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. Now, when I shine this light, you'll notice something. This flashlight has a kind of like a, what they call a floodlight. It goes way out there, okay? It goes way out like that, all right? But if you keep turning it, the light gets a little brighter and it gets a little sharper and a little sharper and a little sharper, until all of a sudden pins point down to the, to the really what you want to get to, okay? You see that? Nice silhouette there, Brian. Looks good. Anyway, I'm having a little too much fun, okay? So this whole chapter starts with Jesus making this statement, right? He makes this statement that he's the light of the world. And, and you, want, you have to find out really what's behind all that. And what's behind all that is they are still at the temple back in chapter 7. Chapter 7 was the festival, festival of the tabernacles, remember? Where they all came and they, they, they lived in these booths, these tents, 
and they went to the temple all the time, and, and they had the celebration of the water that God provided. But this is the very tail end of the, of the talk, of the, the week. It was a week-long deal. And now they're in the temple. They're in the, this place, what they call the illumination of the temple. And then the illumination of the temple, it was held in an open area called the Court of the Women. Now, we're not going to get into details with all that, but that's what they called it, okay? And the center court was a, um, you know, surrounded by a large section of stadium seats, kind of like what you have here. And, and as, they, as the evening progressed, and as it started getting darker, the elders of the temple would go to, and there were like three or four large candelabras in the center of this, this uh, court. And they would light these candelabras, okay? Or candelabra, I think they're called. And uh, they were lit. And, the, and then, it would, then it says that the elders would dance and lead in singing the psalms before the Lord all night and lead the people. You know, I can't wait until the elders have an illumination of the temple here at the church. I, I, would, I would love to see our elders dancing. We have a dance-off with the elders as we're worshiping God. That's what was happening. They, and they say that the brilliance and the glow from those candelabra in the temple, you could see from all around Jerusalem this, this glow from the temple. Kind of like when you pull into Kearney and UNK's stadium lights are on and you could kind of see a glow happening. That's what it was. You see, the light represents the hope for all of us. And as they lit those candelabra, Jesus takes an opportunity to teach a point. And he says, I am the light of the world, the greatest claim. He's the light of the world. He's the light that reveals clarity to the very true nature of where whatever you want to do or wherever you're going. He's the light, the meaning, the destiny of all things. He is the one that shows things as they really are and will help you. He's not only the light that will reveal things in our lives, but he is also the light that will help you go through the darkness of times into where he is leading you. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And I can navigate throughout this, this uh, uh, stage here because I have the light. But if I didn't have the light, I'd be bumping into things. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And then he gives the promise. And the promise is this. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Listen, church, Jesus is talking to religious people in the temple. He's not talking to those who are not seekers of God. He's talking to those who have been religiously practicing their, their pursuit of God. And yet Jesus is saying, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Darkness, darkness represents being unprepared. Darkness represents being uncertain. Listen, today is a day where life seems to be getting darker and darker, does it not? And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you today, when you have a hold of the light of life, Guess where I'm walking? I'm walking in darkness, but the light of Jesus is showing me the way. See, I'm in dark, but the light is before me. I'll never walk in, I'm kind of walking in darkness, but I'm really not, not lost in darkness because the light is before me. I have a hold of the light. He says, whoever follows me. See, as long as I follow this light, no matter how dark 
this stage is, no matter how dark this room is, I am walking in the light. That's Jesus' promise. You see, there's hope even when it appears hopeless in Jesus. Amen? There's hope when even if there's hopeless. There's confidence even when there is uncertainty. There is hope and confidence and light and purpose even when everybody else is saying it's canceled. Because Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. And as long as you follow him, you will walk in the light. Now the remainder of the chapter, after Jesus makes this bold claim, he says our response to the light reveals well, what will determine our path to a life of freedom or bondage. How we respond to the light. How do we, how we do that will determine our path to a life of freedom or bondage. Okay? So what we're going to do for the remainder of this, this chapter is you're going to look that Jesus is having a dialogue with the religious, with the people that, that, that are saying they know God. And he's having a conversation with them, and, he's, and they are asking him questions. So we're going to look at the responses to Jesus, the one that shines the light and reveals in their heart. Now remember when I took the flashlight here and I, I turned it and it just kept getting, the beam just got get a little sharper and sharper? You're going to see this in the chapter. First Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, and then there's a reaction. Then he starts focusing the light in a little more of what's going on in their heart. So let's, let's look what he, what he says here. The dialogue is happening here. What's their response? In chapter 8, verse 13, the Pharisees, what did they do? Challenged him. They come up with a defensive challenge. They say, here, here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. You know, have you ever had someone or have you ever been part of something where you've had to confront someone about a truth? And then all of a sudden they go, I don't, you, well, you have to say, I'm not believing. It's not valid. It's not true. And Jesus says, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I come from and I know where I'm going. He, and then he says this, but you have no idea who I am. How can you make a claim that my testimony of what I'm saying to, of truth is not valid? You have no knowledge of me, where I come from and where I am going. I know who I am and my other witness is my father. And he says here, I do not judge. My decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father, capital F, Father. And you know what's interesting? This whole chapter has 18 references to Father on Father's Day. And the question that each of you men and each and every one of us have to ask ourselves is, which Father are you following? Who's your Father? Who's your father? Kind of like, remember the Titans. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Let's go on to verse 19. Verse 19, they asked him, where is your father? You see, when, when, when the light of truth is shining on us, and I tell you, I go through this in my own self. When someone confronts me about something that's true about me that I need to face about myself, I come up with a defensive challenge. Where, where, where who, who, who do you think you are? Where's your father? Where do you have the right to say that about me? And becomes defensive. And they say, where is your father? They become kind of cynical because basically, just think of this. They know the background of Jesus. They know that Jesus was, that Mary was impregnated before Joseph and Jesus 
got married, and it's kind of like, where? Your father. It was a little F that they used there, right? The little F father. And Jesus says, Jesus' response to them is this. When they say, where is your father? He says, he says this, you don't know me or my father. If you knew me, you would know my father. And then Jesus gives this great, great response here. He says, you are from below and I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. Man, I'm telling you, he is, he is turning the light a little bit more brighter, isn't he? The beam is getting a little more pointed to what's really going on inside their heart. And what is their response? As that beam of light is starting to expose their their area of being lost and their unbelief, what do they say? Verse 25, who are you? Who are you? You see, when we become cynical to the light, when we have a cynical spirit, we start questioning who that person really is that's shining the light of truth that we start squirming over. And we want to discredit it, and we start saying, who are you? You know the greatest question that you need to ask yourself, each and every one of you sitting in here, is who are you? Or whose are you? Whose are you today? That's what the religious people were asking. Jesus, who, who are you? Your, your claims are ridiculous. Who are you? Who are you when the Spirit of God reveals a flawed area in your life and wants to address it? We question what God is saying, and we, we, we rationalize our, ourselves out of it. And when the word of truth speaks to us, we start discrediting and trying to bring God down a little bit so that we don't feel uh, guilty or we don't feel like we have to deal with it. And we say, who are you, God, that you're going to challenge me in this? Who are you that you're going to tell me that we need to do this? You know, sometimes in church, we'll have young couples that will come and get married here, and they're there, and we meet with them, and we talk to them, and we tell them, listen, are you living together? Yes, we are. And we say, well, I'm sorry. Until we settle something here, we're willing to help you, but we're not willing to go through the process of you getting married if you're going to live together. And I'm sure every one of them walks away going, who in the world do they think they are? Well, I'll tell you who we are. We're ones that are following the light of truth. We're the ones that are standing for what God's word says. And when God's word says that we should not go into a relationship and, un, and defile the bed in which the uh, married couple is to, to unite together, when that is violated, we have every right to be able to, in the name of Jesus, with love, say, man, come on. You want God to bless you, but you want to do it on your own terms? I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. We have a greater answer. We have a greater call to answer to, and that is the one who is the truth. And he says, I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. And then they go, they did not understand that he was tell, telling them about God the Father. So Jesus said, when you've lifted me up, the Son of Man up, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own. Man, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus went to the cross, that was not of his own effort. It was because God the Father called him to do such a thing. And when he says, not my will, but your will be done, Father, I will go to to the cross. He did it out of obedience to the Father and out of love for you and I. That's how much he loves us. And he says, when you see me hanging on that cross, you will know that I did none of this of my own volition. But I speak just as what the Father has taught me. 
The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. And then verse 30, it says this. Even as he spoke, many believed. As Jesus was speaking at that point, people's hearts were being changed. People's lives were, were surrendering. People were going, I want that truth. I want that. And it's like he kind of paused in his talk in the temple. And in verse 31, it's like he turns to those. He kind of knows who are those that are really into it. You know, you could always tell those who are really into it when you're preaching. They're the ones that are leaning forward. Those that are really into it are the ones that are leaning forward or nodding their head, not because they're asleep, because they're engaged. And so Jesus must have seen something, and he turns to those that were believing, and he says this. He turns to those whose hearts had surrendered to the message that Jesus gave, and he turns to these believers, and he says this bold statement, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. He turns to them. And he gives them an encouraging challenge. He says, you now believe. I see it. I see it in your spirit. I see it in your eyes. I see you're starting to believe. But I want you to know, you've got to hold on to my teaching. You've got to hold on to the fact that what I am is the light of the world. You've got to hold on to that. You don't just believe it's the beginning. The rest of it is living to according to what the light of the world is going to reveal to you. You have to hold on to it. It's not something that you just decide how much you want to hold on. You hold on to all of it. You just don't know. If you don't know, you need to hold on. And he says, when you hold on to it, you'll know the truth. And then the truth will set you free. It's interesting. He believed. They believed. He said, now hold on to the truth. And then he says, when you hold on to the truth, you're going to find how powerful the truth is and how freeing the truth is in your life. But you've got to hold on to it. If you don't hold on to it, you're not going to see the end result of what truth will do for you. Boy, we live in a day where, where truth is being challenged and people are surrendering it so quickly. And they're not holding on to it. And we miss the blessing of it. We miss the blessing of it. And this really triggers these religious people in the temple. Really, really triggers them because they say, and he says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You're going to find freedom. You're going to find fruitfulness. You're going to find purposefulness if you hold on to the truth. Then he says, and they answered him, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute, Jesus. We are Abraham's descendants and you said that we'll be set free, so you're implying that we're slaves? We have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we need to be set free? And Jesus was talking about the slave of sin. And they were thinking about being the slaves of countries, but yet at the same time, at this very moment, they were under Roman slavery. They were slaves to the Roman people. And so they were living in denial. They were living in denial. How can you say that? When the light reveals as we go into to, to, to denial, I'm not enslaved. Oh, don't, uh, you know, you, you really need to look at this area in your life. Uh, I, I've got it under control. I told, tell you, I've said that, I don't know how many times. When, when the light had revealed something in me, I would say, oh, I know I've got a little issue with it, but I have it under control. I have it under control. There, this has no power. It really doesn't have no power over me. 
Listen, I grew up in the E-Free Church. I grew up here. My parents attended here. I grew up here. I know everything, just as they said. They said, hey, we're Abraham's descendants. How could you say I have a slave to sin problem? Well, I'm telling you, Jesus just starts focusing the light in a little bit more, a little sharper, exposing a little bit more of our hearts. This is Jesus' words. These aren't mine. I'm just helping you see it. And Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. It doesn't mean that if we sin one time, we're a slave to sin. He's talking about repetitive stuff. Gossip, slander, unforgiveness, hatred, critical spirit, those type of things. You continue to do that, you are a slave to that. It is controlling you. Pornography, drunkenness, and on and on we could go. And he says, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Listen, you don't have to be a slave to that. Jesus will set you free. He is the truth, and he will speak truth to you, and that truth will sting a little bit. It'll hurt a little bit. It'll convict you a little bit. It'll make you squirm a little bit. But all it's there to set you free. To set you free. And Jesus now just starts, starts turning the, the light focus just a little sharper, a little sharper, because he says, he says to them, they got defensive. <laughs> I love this, because remember, they say, well, Abraham is our father. Abraham is our father, they answered. And G Jesus says, if you are Abraham's children, then you'd, you would do what Abraham does. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham didn't do such things. That's not how Abraham fu functioned. And you may say, well, I go to the E-Free Church. I got baptized under, under such and such pastor. And it's kind of like, but are you living according to what that person has influenced you in? And he, Jesus says, Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. Who's your father? That's what Jesus is saying. He's, he's, he's taking the light. He is the light. And, he's, and he's, he's, he's kind of drilling it down a little bit, getting a little much sharper focus of light, trying to really get to the core of what's going on in their heart. And they, and they, and they rebel against that light Time and time again, they keep refusing it. And so Jesus goes on and says that, and then they, I love this. Then they say, we are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. So first it was, Abraham's my father. Now Jesus focuses the light on him a little bit more and exposes that a little bit. And then they go, no, 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 wait a minute. God is our father. Do you see how we function as humans? Do you see the rationale that we go through and how we continue to try to squirm our way out of when the light shines on us? And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I have come from God. And then he really, man, I'm telling you, he really gets it down. Because he says this, you belong, he asks this question, why is my language not clear to you? I want, to, I want you to just pause for a moment here. Because I, I it sounds kind of argumentative, and it kind of sounds like Jesus is kind of disgusted with them a little bit. And maybe he is, but he's more disgusted because he loves them so much. He loves them so much. Have you ever just loved someone so much that you're trying to help them, but they're not getting it? 
and they're just not getting it. And you, you, you want them to take, you, you love them so much and you want to help them through that to get to the other side, but they're not receiving it. And, and Jesus is just kind of like, why can't you get this? I love you. And he says, you belong, boy, now he did, boom. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. Man, I'm telling you, if there would be a preacher up here that came up and just pointed individuals out and says, you know what, guess what? I know you're here. I know you're sitting here and you're listening to all this. But I'm telling you, some of you are the, are, your father is the devil. You're following the devil. You're doing the devil's bidding. You're living under the devil's guidance. You're living under the devil. Oh, boy, watch out. There'd be, there'd be some letters coming in the there's some emails being sent out, right? What right do you have to say that? No, 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 wait a minute. It's the same thing that the, that the religious leaders in the temple were saying. And he says, you want to carry out the Father's desires. Now listen to this. He was a murderer from the beginning. I want you to underline this. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to what? The truth. Not holding to the truth. What did Jesus say to the new believers? He says, hey, I know you're believing, but I want you to do, you go back to verse 31, and he says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And he calls the enemy out, Satan himself out, the one that fell from heaven, and says, you know what, he's a murderer, he's a liar, he speaks lies, and I'm telling you what, he's not holding to the truth. For there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. He is a liar. When the voice says to you today, you really don't have time, to read the word of God today, you're too busy. Who's speaking? Is it the voice of truth? Or is it the father of lies? When you say, you know what? I, I really don't pray very good. Who told you you don't pray very good? Who told you? Who told you, I don't pray for my wife because I don't pray very good, man. Did your wife tell you someday, you know, honey, would you just stop that? I mean, that, is, that was the worst stinking, you know, I would just better that you would not pray. You know who told you that? The father of lies. Because the father of lies wants to keep you from talking to the father of truth so that you could engage in the power of the freedom that God has to offer you. So the father of lies says, don't pray, don't pray, don't pray, because if I can keep you from praying, I can keep you from experiencing, engaging with truth, and that truth will set you free. Uh, that's not me talking, that's Jesus here. It's in red letters. And you can send me emails all you want this week. I'll answer them. You may say, I can't forgive that person. Why can't you forgive them? Who's telling you you can't forgive them? Who's telling you that they're, they've lived a life so bad that you are not able to Who is that? Is it the one that's not holding to the truth, or is it the one that's telling you that this person really doesn't need forgiveness? Or who's the God doesn't love me, or God doesn't even, God really can't use me? Who told you that God can't use you? Who told you that? 
What are you choosing to believe? The father of lies who holds no truth whatsoever, that wants to keep you from discovering truth, the truth that will set you free to experience the glories of what God has to offer you? Is that what you want to hold on to? Who told you that? Jesus is trying to say, listen, I'm shining the light here. Expose the lies that you believe. Listen, here's a statement. Lies really have no power unless they are believed and followed through on. When you hear something and, you, and, and it says, you know, you're not very good at that. Who told you you're not very good at that? Is that a truth of the word of God? Lies have no power until you choose that you're going to believe that lie. And then you're going to follow through on it. And you've fallen into the strategy of the enemy that wants to kill, eradicate, nullify, and keep you from freedom, but instead keep you in bondage. It's your choice. And so Jesus says, yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He's, Jesus is begging these people. Come on, come on, come on. Why, why won't you believe me? I'm, I'm trying to get to your heart here. Why don't you believe me? Quit playing the religious game. Quit playing the game. Quit listening to the lies of the enemy. Verse 47, whoever believes, whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Man, I mean, he has, he has taken the light and he has cranked that baby down. It is pinpoint down. He's pinpoint down right now, hitting the core of what's really going on in the heart and the life. And now that kind of stirs them up a little bit more because now they're really kind of getting ticked off and what happens here they're in denial. They're not only in denial, but now they're insulted. So they're going to insult Jesus back. And they, the Jews answered him and said, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? <laughs> See what happens? Now they're upping their game. Because Jesus is getting to the core and is making them squirm. And then it's like, who does he think he is? In fact, in verse 53, that's what they say. Verse 52, and at this they exclaim, now we know that you are demon-possessed. In verse 53, are you greater than our father Abraham? Yes, he is, by the way. He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? It builds. And Jesus in verse 55 says this. He says, You're, he says uh, in verse 55, though you do not know him, I know him. If I, said, oh, if I said I did not know him, I would be a liar like you. Whew. I mean, can you feel the, the tension here? But Jesus isn't trying to be mean. He's trying to win their hearts. And he's trying to get to shining light on it and saying, listen, you've got to respond. The truth's going to set you free. Could you just hear this? Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. In verse 57, whoa, wait, wait a minute, Jesus, you're, only, you're not even 50 years old. And you've seen Abraham? And Jesus says, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. And that, at that point, they picked up the stones and wanted to throw them at Jesus to kill him. And he slipped away, just like Jesus. Not because he was afraid of the stones. Because it was not yet time for him to die. 
There's an aggressive reaction. Listen, I've, I have responded to every one of those responses that the Pharisees responded when the truth of light was shining on me. I would get defensive. I can get cynical. I could say, whoa, whoa, wait, what about you? What about, what about your life? I, I've done that. Over 20 years ago, the light of Jesus shone brightly on my heart. And I was tired of doing what we just walked through, rationalizing with Jesus, trying to squirm my way out of truth, trying to, to just not own it anymore. And, and, and I was just trying to, to put this charade up that I was okay, but I really wasn't. I just wasn't. And I'm still not okay. I know some of you are looking at me going like, is he really okay? <laughs> no. But in Jesus, I'm okay. Until that one day, I finally said, God, if you got to break me, break me. If you got to get to that point, you got to strip me from myself, do it. Just do it, God. I want truth to set me free. And I went home. And truth was starting to be revealed. The very path that the enemy was going to take to try to destroy and wreck and divide and murder and destroy our marriage. That's where we were heading as a pastor and as a pastor's wife. The enemy had a grip on us. And when I prayed that prayer in humble submission and said, God, you got to do it. I can't do it anymore. Truth started shining. And I had to see myself for who I really was. I had to step away from that which I had propped myself up by. I had to humbly seek and ask for forgiveness. And I had to lean into truth to be able to be that which my wife needed and to be that which God wanted for me. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here in this auditorium, in the venue, and at home, I'm telling you, Jesus loves you so much. And he is the light of the world, and he is the light for you. But when he shines that light of imperfection, light on the imperfection in your life, what do you do with it? Do you have a response of rejecting, of excusing, of rationalizing, of, of arguing your way out of it? Or are you, Jesus is begging you, why can't you just, why can't you just surrender it and let my truth set you free? This whole chapter is a chapter of love. This whole chapter is a chapter of love, sitting down, Jesus in the temple with these religious people that studied the Old Testament law and the Old Testament, and Jesus is saying, you're missing it. You're, I've got to shine light on the areas of where your heart is so flawed right now. I'm telling you, my last talk to most of you, the first core value of us as a church is truth. His truth. And you could sit here Sunday after Sunday, attend Sunday after Sunday, and come and you can hear it, and you, can, you could sing the wonderful praise songs, and you could love the wonderful praise music. And when, this, when the, the spirit of truth, when the God of truth, when the word of truth is being spoken to, and it hits your heart, and you do nothing with it, and you do nothing to surrender to that truth, who are you then surrendering to? I'm telling you who you're surrendering to. You're surrendering to the father of lies. And you'll continue to live in the bondage and trying to figure out why in the world does this Christian life just seem 
so dark. It doesn't work for me. Who told you it doesn't work for you? The father of lies. I've tried. It, it, isn't, it, isn't, it isn't for me. Who told you it isn't for you? The father of lies. Oh, I'm telling you, he wants that for you. He wants to be your light. Oh, there's a great song by Matt, Maddie Mullins. It's called No Hold On Me. I cry every time, and I sing to the top of my lungs in my car when I hear that song. The devil thought he had a hold of me. He told so many lies that I believed. How many lies is he, is he telling you today? God, too weak to carry on. I thought I was too far gone. But then I heard a voice from Calvary. And now I'm singing. I'm singing, no more shackles on my feet. The devil's got no hold on me. Jesus' blood has set me free. The devil's got no hold on me. The devil's got no hold on me. I find victory when I let go. I hit my knees, and mercy floods my soul. And though the enemy is near, I'm not giving in to that fear. Because you're the voice of truth that leads me home. The truth will set you free. Today, when we close in song, I'm telling you, if you, if you, if you have been touched, moved, stirred, awakened, if you've been kind of angry with me, whatever it is, this is the time. Right here, right now. This is the time. And don't let the devil sit on your lap and keep you down. I'm asking you to stand up and come to the front here and say, no longer is the devil going to have a hold on me. No longer. I don't care if everybody thought that I was Mr. Goody Two-Shoes or Mrs. Mrs. Pretty Prancy. <laughs> Got it all together. I'm coming forward, and I'm saying, no longer is the devil going to have a hold on me. I've heard the voice of Jesus call me today. Would you come? Prayer partners will be here. We want no more shackles for you. The truth will set you free.